1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and we try and do things here from a DIY guy perspective. Um, guys that try and do things on their own, uh, try and get better to be better hunters, to be better archers. And uh, from a DIY side... Um, we try and do as much as we can on our own. And one of the things that's often struck me about uh, our youth hunt here in Michigan, um, if you listen to the podcast last year with Alex Chop, uh, with his deer out west, the velvet always comes up. I've spoken with my taxidermist about it, um, asked questions, and it's just one of those things where keeping your trophy as you shot it, you know, uh, trying to preserve that velvet. And if you're doing it by yourself, you're out, you know, you don't have access generally to maybe a taxidermist, maybe you're in the back country or maybe you're miles from the vehicle trying to keep that stuff, um, safe, all of those things. That's something that's come up for me a lot. Uh, some of the questions that I pose. And so 
when I saw this company was going to be at the uh, Great Outdoor Show, Great American Outdoor Show in Pennsylvania, it's one of the booths that I was like, I got to stop and talk to this guy. Um, and I stopped, had about a half hour conversation with them, kind of went through their history, kind of did some of the vetting process. I don't really like these podcasts where um, it's just about a product. Uh, but I think that this can really help guys like myself, guys like you guys, a listener. Um, so I wanted to do this podcast, like I said, cause I think it's going to help some people. Um, so I think you guys are gonna really like this podcast. Got to give a shout out though. Uh, to some of our sponsors to, and the guys that mean the most, the Patreons, right? Um, new Patreons this over this course of this last, uh, week, uh, Blake Bettendorf, he is actually, right near us here in Bitely. So that's awesome. He's definitely going to have to come to the Patreon hunt this year. Um, and maybe we can hook up and do some uh, turkey hunting or something. We turkey hunt up in that area as well. Uh, Blake, I'll get your shirt out in the mail here pretty soon. Um, probably uh, Friday. Uh, I'll head to the post office. I got some other stuff to ship out as well. Um, and then Mike Colby. Um, on our Patreon site, there is an option to just get the clean feed and it's offered to all the patreons so you don't get all of the ads stopping in the middle of the podcast um, so that's an option mike thank you so much for you know supporting us and you know getting rid of those pesky ads and we always give back we partner with companies that give back to our patreons um huntworth uh i haven't talked with karen yet um i will do that this week so next week i'll have uh an idea of what we're giving away, but they always give away a Huntworth suit depending on the, the season. Um, Zinger, those guys, Steve, Brian, Brandon, um, they used to just give away, um, some of the, their fletchings, their compression fletchings. They work great, but they're delving into the realm of arrows. We've already got some, um, they're in the hands of John right now. I think they're sending us some more Kanadi arrows, but they're giving away a set of arrows. So, that's huge. I mean, who can't use more arrows, especially if you're like us and you're going to the total archery challenge. And then again, from that same show, big shot targets. I was just uh, texting with Brandon yesterday about what they're going to be giving away. They're going to be giving away one of their targets every quarter. Um, so he said, it's going to be a 3d target. Um, I was excited. I was hoping it was going to be one of their little iron man uh, targets, but he said, Nope, they're going to go ahead and do a full 3d target. So, um, really awesome. Check them out at bigshottargets.com. You know, our friends at Lucky Buck, we're starting, uh, just had a, uh, some of our family in town, uh, looking at our property in the UP, uh, going to be going full on with the Lucky Buck again. And Lucky Buck gives away some of their seed or some of their Lucky Buck mineral for the guys that can use it. Um, awesome product. Like I said, we were trying to figure out if that one year of Lucky Buck and trying to do some food plotting stuff, uh, really made a difference in, uh, anecdotally, uh, the answer would be yes. And then our friends over at Vitalize Seed, they've got a great two-part uh, kind of like food plot for idiots. Plant this in the spring, feeds the soil for the for the fall. Plant this in the fall, feeds the soil for the spring. Uh, super easy. Um, they're going to be giving away some of their seed. Um, and then Spartan Forge, you know, can't say enough about their mapping uh, adding the things that they are online. Now you can go on and, and look at it online and they gave away one of their pro memberships every year. You can check them out at spartanforge.ai. Um, that's just some of the stuff through Patreon. And we just started our new, um, uh, 
we're doing the one shot league. So, uh, anybody, I was trying to keep it, um, kind of just for the Patreons. We're doing it through the Patreons, but, uh, if you go to the Bowhunter Chronicles, uh, opportunist, uh, Facebook page, uh, the targets on there, you can post your one shots in there. Um, Super fun. We've got a spreadsheet that's live. Not trying to steal any of the bow hunting leagues thunder, uh, but just trying to uh, engage a little bit more with the listeners of the podcast and the Patreons and get that bow back in your hand. So you guys can check that out. Like I say, this podcast is something that I've been curious about. And one of the things that I've been, um, you know, wondering about what would I do given the situation and the product was there. Um, and, uh, so I think you guys are going to re really find this podcast interesting. And for any of you guys that have mounts at home, the European mounts, all that stuff, um, there's some interesting information in there, uh, for you guys too. So, uh, also real quick, forgot to mention, uh, we are going to be speaking at the deer hunter collective at the Osable river outfitters, March 18th. Um, Tickets are on sale. You can go to the deerhunterpodcast.com. Get tickets for that event. The tickets are going to go offline March 11th, so this weekend. Still got a few days. Uh, the event is almost sold out, um, but the tickets are going to be going offline March 11th. So um, go over there. Check that out. It's going to be real fun. Buffet lunch. There's going to be time to hang out. Um, you know, kind of talk about all the things, tell all the deer stories, all the all the misses, all the successes to share in that with a, a bunch of like-minded people. That's going to be up in Mayo, Michigan at Osalvo River Outfitters. Um, and then we are also going to be giving away a set of tickets. So all you got to do is go over to that Bowhunter Chronicles opportunist page and make a comment on there showing what was your favorite episode or who was your favorite guest. Uh, just make a comment. Just introduce yourself. Let us know what your favorite episode is, and uh, we're going to choose uh, out of there. Uh, you know, this is obviously going to be more beneficial to the Michigan guys, but um, we certainly do invite everybody over there to uh, to join in and, and become part of the community. Again, thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, you know, we don't do any, like, hard sell type product uh podcast usually and uh i I mean we get people who want to talk with us all the time like oh i got the best widget i got the best thing and it kind of comes down to to you know personality or solving a problem um that sort of thing and uh, i had a product that was you know kind of like pitched to me by one of these guys and um i went through his list of things that that he represents and i thought man this this Velvet Antler Technologies um, is something, you know, for velvet hunts and stuff like that, that uh, that I've always been curious about. So if you listen to our podcast last year with uh, Alex from Latitude uh, being out west and killing that giant velvet buck and then kind of being like, uh-oh. Like, what do we do now? How do we, how do we deal with this? And every year, like here in Michigan with the youth hunt, I think about that. And uh, I've talked with our taxidermist and and he's one of these guys who, uh, who's kind of camera shy. He doesn't want to come on and talk on the podcast. You know, you'd have to get a bunch of beers at him before he'd come on and open up. Um, so it's just one of those things that I think that this really does solve a problem. Um, and it's great product and it's, you know, uh, a very cost effective solution for maybe like a once in a lifetime type, uh, uh, 
you know, opportunity for a lot of guys, especially here in Michigan. So, uh, when I was at the, the show in Pennsylvania, um, the velvet antler technologies were there. So I stopped by and, and talked to Daryl and, um, kind of got the rundown on all the products, kind of got to see like how everything worked and, and talk to him, feel him out. Like I said, before I do a podcast, I try to do like get that first date kind of stuff out of the way. So it's not like, oh, so you have this product and okay. But uh, so we're going to talk with uh, Daryl Gogert uh, from uh, Velvet Antler Technologies today. Um, so how are you doing, Daryl? Oh, good. Good day. We got three inches of snow today here. <laughs> yeah, we are weather here in Michigan keeps going like up and down, up and down. Every time I think that we're done, then we get some more snow and then it gets sunny and then we get snow. So we, we're in that like uh, uh first false spring season here in, in Michigan. I just sent the storm to you. I just pushed it off. And said, go, go East. <laughs> and so um, from like a hunting standpoint, from a background, like, how did you get, where are you from? Like, and how did you get started? Like hunting, like going out, chasing animals, uh, with a bow. So I was born and raised in Nevada. Um, just hunted there all my life. It's funny. Cause my dad was never a big archery hunter. He was a hunter. He hunted and we fished and did all that stuff coming up, but you know, hunted quail and chucker and everything there was to hunt. We trapped and we caught coyotes and bobcats and skinned animals. And we did all of that. Um, kind of got myself into archery when I was young. I just took a liking to it. There was an old, oh, a little old recurve that sat in the corner of the garage all the time that my dad probably had coming up, you know, an old fiberglass, just funny looking, you know, little plastic handle. And I used to take that and me and my buddies, we lived in a small town. We'd walk out to the river and we'd shoot carp in the river and we'd shoot everything we could. And we had every, you know, different arrows and we just, we just played and we had a lot of fun with our bows. And I think that's what drew me into it. Um, as to about 12 years old, I was mowing lawns and I saved up money and bought my first compound bow. And I started hunting at a really, really, really early age, killing velvet deer. That's where it all began. And so now as that's evolved, like where are you out of now? And like, what is your like, hunting style we see you in the background there there's there's mule deer there's elk there's all sorts of, of of deer there um so i about 11 12 years ago i think it was i moved to idaho uh my grandparents lived in idaho as I was, when i was a kid i used to spend a lot of time here and i always enjoyed idaho and just always wanted to live here so we moved up here and started hunting here and just kind of grew more and more i uh I actually created the Velvalock years ago in Nevada. It's probably been close to 20 years now when I started playing with mixtures. And, you know, I just got tired of losing velvet every time I was out there. And I was 100 miles from any taxidermist and I couldn't. And also, you know, I didn't really have a lot of money to go spend. Back then, there was no real good solutions for velvet. You had to get them to a taxidermist right away. And if you didn't, they would scrape them. And, you know, all the guys that are, in the fifties, like I am, they can, they can vouch for that. It's just, it was hard to take care of velvet. And I started mixing things up to figure out what would keep my velvet around, you know, and kind of kept it in my pocket for a lot of years until I could build on it. So I guess from like the velvet standpoint, like what, uh, I guess like, uh, physiologically is going on, right? 
So, and what are the products out there? Because there's things that are like injected and like why, um, like how do you preserve uh, velvet and like when it goes bad or goes wrong, like why does that happen? Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalize Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalize Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at VitalizeSeed.com. So velvet's very, very fickle. And I always say this, velvet's probably the most fickle thing there is in in any hunting that we do, right? If, if you're going to keep your velvet, two different bucks can be in two different stages of growth at the same exact day, right? So I've killed deer early, early August that are very, very soft-tipped. The antler itself is actually bendable and movable. and the next day we killed a buck that was scraping his velvet already. So there's so much that goes into that, right? So if, if you're a guy that does injection, there's guys that they'll argue with me on this, that injection is the only way to go, right? They, they turn them upside down. They poke holes in the tips. They take formaldehyde, which that's part of the reason we built this thing is because formaldehyde is so terrible and nasty and i mean if you get formaldehyde in your eye you'll lose your eye it's just it's really bad stuff for you right so this isn't something you can do with your kids it's not something you can share with your family you you want to do this by yourself and maybe you and your buddy right it's just not a good good solution so they they do that they inject the problem being is i'm going to pick up this phone for just a second and show you so this is a good example, right? This, this deer my son killed when he was 12 with his bow. So this velvet peeled, right? So there's real no good way to inject that. It, it scraped the velvet off the outside. You can't truly inject that and, and make it right. Okay, you, could, you can inject that and the formaldehyde will come out here, but you're not going to get in some of these areas. So some of these areas will be trouble areas and they're going to have to try to brush in formaldehyde or get it into that spot somehow. And if you don't get it completely in there, it will rot. Um, and when it starts to rot, the rot process is very, very difficult to stop. Once necrosis sets in, it is very difficult to stop. We, we do stop it on occasion, but it is very difficult to stop. Um, the second most popular way probably is freeze drying. And freeze drying is just that, right? Pretty simple process. And I have people argue the fact with me that, you know, well, freeze drying doesn't take out the mass out of your antler. I said, well, did you just hear what you said, right? You freeze dried it. <laughs> if you dried it, you took the moisture out of it. You took the mass out of it. I, I, I'm sorry, but there's, 
because we do, we, we take the blood out of it and we dry and cure that membrane with our product. And that's what it does, right? It's essentially freeze drying in the field. We're doing the same exact process, except for they're leaving the blood underneath that membrane. We're taking the blood out of the membrane. That being said, if you had a velvet buck that you, that you have freeze dried and for some unknown reason, it gets wet again. You got a rain leak in your house, what have you? You're going to have to have that refreeze dried because of the simple fact that you've now reliquified that blood that's underneath that membrane that is freeze dried, right? That blood is still there, it's not gone. So now you have to try to either get rid of that blood or freeze dry it again. Um, so, freeze drying has its place. Um, freeze drying is very expensive, generally at around $1.50 per inch of antler right in there. Plus your shipping, you have to overnight ship it. Um, so realistically, you know, the Velvelock was designed in our minds when we designed it, we designed it for Adam, you and your son, right. Or your daughter, you go out and kill their first six point buck and you go, man, you know, it's going to be, it's going to cost me three or $400 to have this thing freeze dried or even at the taxidermist to inject it with formaldehyde is going to be a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. Well, more than more likely than not, you're not going to do that, right? You're going to put it out in the shed and hope it dries on its own and the bugs stay off of it and it doesn't rot and you get to keep that velvet. That's where we started this velvet lock process is to be able to preserve that memory between me and my kid or just myself, you know, I had so many that rotted as a kid when I was younger that I just, it broke my heart to see that velvet rot. So that's, that's kind of where it started, you know, and it's kind of grown from there into something bigger where, you know, we're, we're doing 500 inch whitetails now with it, you know, that, and it's the same feeling though, right? The guy that killed that, I don't care if he killed it on a ranch or not. I got paid $60,000, right? To go, <laughs> kill that 500 inch deer. So that means a lot to him, the same as it means to my kid to kill a little six point. So it's neat to see that progression and see how that grew over time that there's still that same passion for velvet that I grew up loving that passion for velvet. And I think it's only grown. There's more States adding velvet hunts. Now the velvet is growing in popularity very quickly. Um, so we just want to be part of that process. So, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to give any like proprietary information or anything out like that, but can you go into a little bit more about like what is actually going on with the velvet? Cause like when I talked to, uh, one of our buddies that, you know, is a taxidermist, does taxidermy, does a, a lot of the different stuff. They were talking about like how to, you know, cause exactly what you said, there's different, um, stages of like the, antler underneath it so how much um i guess blood vessels vasculature because you got to get in and get rid of that blood that's in there and if they're like further toward the hard horned process and you were telling me about like the process of using the product and all of that stuff uh, so can you kind of go into a little bit like how you get rid of that blood and and, and all that so everywhere there's a hair on any animal there's a hair follicle that hair follicle is essentially a hole or, or a way to penetrate that membrane right so we've created this to be able to chemically 
penetrate that membrane and reliquify the blood that's behind the membrane. Um, when every animal dies, their blood coagulates within minutes, right? That's the natural body's process of plugging a hole to coagulate. So it'll coagulate behind the bone or behind the membrane next to the bone. So when we spray that on there, it's made to penetrate that membrane and it'll reliquify that blood and the blood will actually drain out the bases of the antler. Starting at the tips, generally you leave them tips up, bases down. And it'll generally start at the tips and it'll just run the blood out the bases. We have numerous accounts of guys doing elk. They do an early elk season here that, you know, 350 inch bull elk that are, they'll get two cups of blood out the bases of them when it's all said and done. Early, early, early season, you know, California has some hunts in July, very early season or those ranch deer. I always tell people to drill a little hole in the backside of the antler, right at the pedicle, you know, quarter inch, three eighths inch hole to the center of the bone. Um, Cause the bone is so soft, but bone is also porous. So this product will actually penetrate the bone itself and it'll drain blood out of the bone as well as it goes. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And so how long does this process take? I mean, I, I think it's a couple of day, a couple of applications, right? Generally, it's only one application. And if you're in hot weather, out, I tell people put it out in the heat and the sun as much as possible, which goes against everything we know, right, for doing velvet. Everybody always tells you keep it cool, keep it in shade. We built this. You got to remember, I built this in the deserts of Nevada, right? There's not hardly a tree. The sagebrush is six foot tall at the most. And it's hot and it's dry. So this was built to work best with the heat and the dry and the sunlight because that's where it was meant to do its work. The cattle, there's catalysts that the heat and the sun are the catalyst for it. And it just helps it, helps the process along. Generally, a nice 160 to 180 inch mule deer buck with good mass will cure. I've done some right here at the house for friends of mine that cured in 48 hours. We generally say 72 hours and they'll be completely dried and cured. So, um, because I'm like, again, if you've ever listened to the show or talked to me, the world's worst bow hunter, right? So I'm a, I'm a hack and I go out there and I'm like, all right, we're going to go out West for mule deer hunt or a, a whitetail hunt, like velvet, we're going to go out early season because Michigan doesn't start till October. So we're going to be early September out chasing these deer first chance I get. And, uh, I shoot one, right? So 
me with very limited experience, you know, I'm, I'm not very well versed in like caping out these animals and all this stuff. Like what's my time frame or what's the process that I should be doing? Like in the field, I get up to the animal, I give my high fives and all the things gut it. And now that, I mean, you know, like when you shoot your first elk or whatever, you go like, Oh man, now what do I do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so you want to want to apply that Velvolock within 24 hours is what we try to tell people. Now we've done them later than that, that they'll start as necrosis starts and it starts to slip. And then it's a, it's more of a process. Um, and I always tell people, you know, if they have problems, just call me, my phone number is on the website and call me at any time. I can walk you through most any problem or process that you need help with. Um, but you want to apply it within that 24 hour period, if possible, don't handle the velvet, handle it as little as possible. Um, I see guys wrap their hands around the bases and hold it up for the picture. Hold on to the ears, hold this, hold him up, holding on to the base of the ears. Don't, the more you grip and move that velvet, what ends up happening is when you squeeze down on that velvet, you've now squeezed the blood out of that. Think of, think of jam in a plastic bag right? That's essentially what you have on the outside of the antler with something hard in the middle. And when you squeeze it, you squeeze everything out the sides and you've now compressed, essentially compressed the vein that can actually make that blood drain and help that blood drain. So if you're, if you're squeezing that, you're squeezing that area down that it needs to drain through. So just don't, I tell people, caution people handling them as much as possible. Don't you end up matting the hairs down it doesn't look as great um you spend more time brushing them out after the fact there's just a lot to it so the less you can handle it the better um then get that velvolock applied as soon as you can and from like a more of like a, a a bigger picture uh standpoint right like why i'm saying like i'm a a, a novice is like so i haven't caped out a whole lot of deer i'm not in there you know, for, for that sort of thing, like, can you apply it just right on the deer head and deal with it later? Or like that, that that's kind of more what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of guys, um, a good example. So this is where we'll get into the hide lock as well. But I tell people, if you're hunting an early season mule deer, take your hide lock with you as well. Okay. So I had a guy last year in Utah. Um, they went into the back country. There was three of them hiked in, they killed nice mule deer up there. They took the hide lock and the velvet lock. They sprayed the velvet lock on the antlers. They spray and they just cut the deer off at the neck like they normally would, right? They left the rest of the cape. Everybody knows how to cape it out to the neck. That's where people start getting into where like, oh, I need to let my taxidermist do the rest of the head, right? Mm -hmm. So you take the lock and you spray the inside of the hide where all the, the meaty surface would have been, right? And then you spray all of the outside of the head with the hide lock, the ears, the nose, the eyes, the face soak that sucker down on the outside spray your velvet lock on it you're gonna have a lot of smells to deal with so i say do that at the truck when you're ready to head home because usually you're not going to be 24 hours getting it back to the truck right you're going to get it back there relatively quickly within a few hours when you get everything situated spray everything down put it in the back of the truck where you can keep an eye on it and that will buy you a lot of time getting it to your taxidermist so those guys actually did theirs on the mountain and stayed on the mountain for three days with that hide lock on the exterior of the hide 
on the inside of what they could reach and the velvet lock on the antlers. When they got to the taxidermist, the velvet was set. The hide was still in great shape. Taxidermist was able to cape it off and they kept everything in good shape. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Like from like a practical, like problem solving standpoint, like, like I said, when I was going through and looking at all this stuff, I'm saying, okay, this is something that I think regular guys, you know, can definitely benefit, benefit from. And then I was able to see like with some of the other uh, products that you got, we'll talk about that too. But like at the booth, you know, kind of like what the end product looks like. Now, just real quick, still on the like Velvalock stuff, that from your standpoint, so how long is the, have you been uh, selling the product and it's been, been available? So it's been available for almost four years now for sale itself. So yeah, product wise. And you were saying that it's available now, like in Shields and and some other other places, right? Shield stores have picked pick us up now, so we're we're gonna try to get in a little bit early with Shields. But as of right now, it's five one, so May first they'll they'll have product shipped to them. Um, we're gonna try to get it in there a little sooner. I think we're missing the eight ball a little bit if we get it in there that late. So we need to try to push to get in there a little bit sooner. Guys are preparing for hunts earlier than that a lot of times. So they need their product sooner. So, but yeah, that's, that's the big one. We do have other dealers and on our website, it shows a dealer, dealer locator on there. It's in, in areas of where people live. Well, I just want to bring that up from like a, like fly by night scenario. You know, you go to a show and you don't know who's in the booth and what, you know, the, the reality behind it is. Um, but from that exact same standpoint, like we talked about this at, at the show, like it seems like there's a lot of, um, I would say like weight on your shoulders when you're dealing with someone, something like you using your words, like as fickle as velvet, right. Uh, and somebody's like memory with their child or their dad or 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 whatever uh, so you were talking about I, I guess i would like to to talk a little bit about like failure rate or or common problems or things that you've uh, overcome over the years well one of the big things that we run into you know and i get this a lot and that's why i always tell people please call me i say we have a zero percent failure rate if you follow the instruction right if you do what's on that bottle that stuff works. And I'll just throw out a good example. We had a guy guy message us this year, sent us his picture on Instagram and says, man, I really hope your product works because this is the biggest mule deer I've ever killed. And he said, I followed the instructions to a T and he sent us a picture of this 30 inch four by four mule deer hanging upside down in his rafters of his garage. And the right on the back of the bottle, says do not hang antlers upside down so i messaged a guy and i said you told me you followed the directions to a t how is that follow he goes oh i didn't see that part so that's the kind of things i tell people we're all human right we make mistakes we've done things the way we've done them for a lot of years and we're changing the way that people do things and especially taxidermists they just don't they don't understand it and they they've been doing it for 30 years a certain way and they don't want to change the way they do it or or they don't feel comfortable changing the way they do it but if they follow those instructions will absolutely it will absolutely cure that velvet i mean we've we've had guys that 
message us saying, man, I got a real bad smell. I said, send me a picture. So the guy sends me a picture and it's in his backyard and the sidewalk's wet where it's sitting. I said, is there any chance that uh, your sprinklers came on? He goes, yeah, the sprinklers run every day. I says, well, did you see on the bottle where it says, do not let the antlers get wet? So this product's made to draw itself to water or moisture, right? So if there's water on the exterior of the velvet, where's the product going to go? Pulls itself out of the membrane back to the most moist spot it can be. So it just, if people pay attention and, and watch what they're doing, you know, and the guy's messaging me back, goes, man, you're right. They're soaking wet. I'm like, well, that, <laughs> that tells the tale, right? So we actually end up sending the guy another bottle and ended up working out. Everything worked out okay. And we got rid of the smell. But I mean, we've done them that had guys message us and say, uh, I had one guy from Ohio that went to Colorado. Had one injected by a taxidermist in Colorado. He called me two weeks later and he says, hey, this these antlers stink and they have maggots in them. So I don't know what's going on. So we overnighted the guy a couple bottles and we ended up saving those antlers for him. Killed all the maggots, took away all the smell and cured the velvet, set it back down hard again. And, and that one was supposedly professionally done by a taxidermist that, that injected it with formaldehyde. But, you know, injecting them, you can't see where that product's really going, right? You, you can assume it's going in the right place, excuse me, but if it doesn't get where you want it, it only goes through that vein and doesn't hit some of that membrane. Some of that membrane can rot on you. So that's where our product being sprayed on, you're covering that entire membrane with that product. Well, I think from a, like, I'd imagine from a taxidermist standpoint, especially guys that have been doing it for so long, it's kind of like what I'm talking about. You know, these guys build a reputation of doing good work and they've had success with something in the past. And now they hear something that's, you know, it almost sounds like too good to be true. Right. Like, so, so if you know something works and your reputation is on the line from like a professional standpoint, um, I think it would be really difficult to, you know, sway somebody. Right. 100%. We try. <laughs> well, and, you know, perhaps what it's going to be, I mean, I would say four years is probably seems like an eternity for you, but at the same time, it, you got to get out there and you got to get it in front of people. And so if you're able to do like what you had said and spray it on there, everything goes well, and then it gets to the taxidermist, you might open some taxidermy guy's eyes by saying like, Hey, how did you do this? Where did you get this done? And you know, it might uh, raise some awareness that way. Right. For sure. And I just want to note as well. Um, so as I started building this, I just want to show real quick this other, so that big three point that's up there on the wall, that velvet, I mean, sorry, 16 years old on that deer. So 16 years ago, I sprayed that and that velvet is pristine as the day I killed it. These two on this pedestal that I was showing you earlier, those are both 11 years old now. So, and people ask me that, you know, how does this stand the test of time? And I always try to show them that picture because that velvet's, you know, 16, 17 years old and it's still, I can rub my hands on it. The hairs don't fall out. It, it's all intact still. So, And so uh, from the the velvet stuff, I mean, you, you developed a, a product, a chemical process that 
you know, does that. And now you've talked about some other things like the hide lock and, and other things like that. So talk about the evolution of the company and the, the mixes and things. So, so it's funny that we had the velvet lock and I had talked to a guy at one point in, uh, and he said, man, if you want to make this big, you got to start branching out, making more products that, that do what you guys think are, are problem solving. So one of the big things that we noted was on that 16 year old deer that's up there, I had some hairs starting to, starting to be missing on it. So in doing the investigation, I found out there's little tiny mites that get in there and chew on the hair follicles. And they do it on the hair of the mount as well as the velvet. They'll, they'll do it on anything. They do it on turkeys. There's just different bugs that chew on. They, they like that keratin right at that base of that hair follicle. So we then ended up designing the, the we used to call it velvet clean. So some people still see it on the shelf as velvet clean, um, which it's not velvet clean anymore. We changed that to trophy clean because too many people were assuming it was only for velvet. So we changed it to trophy clean. So people understand that. It's a trophy mount conditioner, cleaner, and a bug repellent. It'll keep bugs out of your mounts for up to six months at a time. So that was the next evolution in our process. So we built that one um, to dissolve dirts and dusts and attract them and pull them out to the surface to where they can be wiped off. Um, and it comes with a towel and a brush, that product where you can brush it in and, and you push that product down to the hair follicle where those bugs live. And at the same time, some of it stays on the surface to be able to wipe those dusts and dirts away from the mount itself. So that was Trophy Clean. We got that one right soon after Velvalock was created. Um, not a lot to it. Obviously, like I said, it's just a mount cleaner and conditioner. Um, and then we noticed a, a need for, and, and we don't sell a ton of it, but we do sell it. And when we do sell it, it, it people really enjoy using it, is our uh, stain scrub. It's a blood remover stain remover. So I know for me, I was a guide for 20 years. Um, my backpacks were a mess, right? And they start stinking because the blood dries on them and it gets, then it rains and it's just, they're bad. So we, we created this to be able to spray directly on your clothing, your backpack, hides. Um, stone sheep are a really good one. Uh, taxidermists can't bleach, bleach stone sheep. So if, if taxidermists or guys will use this on a stone sheep, they don't have to worry about bleaching them out. Antelope, it takes and breaks down the proteins in blood that makes it adhere to surfaces. It'll break down those proteins, make it into a water-soluble, uh, washable product, essentially. So it pulls it, breaks it down, and you can wash it away with water. And it cleans and leaves. generally doesn't leave any stains. If there's any stains there, usually it's already been set in from prior uses. But any new blood, it'll take all the stains, everything right out of it. Um, and we talked about hide lock a little bit and that one's kind of funny. That one, uh, everybody, um, essentially out here on the West, really, they know Doyle Moss, Mossback Outfitters. Everybody knows that name, right? Um, they're a big outfitter out West. He says, man, you got all this velvet stuff figured out. He says, if you could get something that we could spray on a hide back in the back country to keep it from falling apart, you'd be money. I'm like, all right. Oh, let me get back to the grindstone I go, right? So we go back and start start figuring out with the manufacturer what we can what we can do to try to keep this stuff the the hair, hair from slipping and hides from rotting and 
spent about a year beta testing and testing it on different animals. And I actually kept during our beta testing process before we launched it, I kept two white-tailed deer hides in a plastic bag, separate plastic bags. I sprayed them both down and left them in the back of my truck for 10 days in the, the Southeast from Maryland all the way down. I drove through the Carolinas and I just left them in the back of my pickup for 10 days and sent them to my taxidermist after the 10th day. And they ended up being, he says, one of the best white-tailed deer hides he's ever seen. They're real, real thin haired and they just came out beautiful. All the eyelashes stayed intact. Everything stayed intact after 10 days of heat and abuse. So that was the hide lock. We got it all created and we've done numerous tests on it from antelope to stone sheep, uh, mountain goats, you know, we sprayed it on everything over time and it just, it really works to keep that hide and hair from slipping on you. It'll essentially take the place of 25 pounds of salt in the back country. If you wanted to go in the back country, you don't have to carry salt with you. You can just take that hide lock with you and it'll do the same thing. And so what is that, uh, exactly doing it? It's, preserving it enough for you to get it to the taxidermist to have it like finished hand or it's essentially an assurance policy that's what i tell people right it's a whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt at midwayusa.com we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies and weatherproof options to withstand the elements Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com With shipping and everything, it's around 50 bucks. It's a $50 insurance policy that if you do that right and you spray it on all those wet membranes and roll it up and keep it sealed up, which is another one of those things that we got to change people's mind on, right? Because taxidermists tell you, open it up, salt it, keep it dry. Don't put it in a plastic bag. Now us, on the other hand, we say, clean all the meat off of it that you can get off of it, all the fat you can get off of it, spray it down, saturate the meat side, saturate any wet membrane inside and out, which means the lips, the nose, excuse me, the ears, the eyes, saturate all those and roll them up and put them in a plastic bag and seal it tight as you can get it. So what that does is number one, it kills any bacteria that's in there to start with. Okay. Bacteria generally starts in the nose and the ears because those are two dirtiest places on animals. Animals get dirt in their ears, just like we do. They're breathing in dirt and dust all the time, which is in their nose. That's where bacteria lives. So if we spray it inside those areas and roll them up and keep it sealed, the bacteria dies that's there. No more bacteria can get into it from anywhere, right? So we're keeping it sealed from the outside world. We're keeping water off of it, hopefully, because water is one of your worst things that can happen to a hide is, you know, and that's, I see a lot of people do that. They'll roll them up and put them in an ice chest to put ice on them. What happens when ice starts melting, it turns into water. The water gets warm. It creates bacteria. It makes hair slip. So if we can keep the water off of them, that's another positive, 
right? So, and it only does better things for your taxidermist. When your taxidermist gets that and opens that plastic bag and that height is perfect, there's no rot, there's no hair slip, and it looks just like the day you killed it, that taxidermist is a happy, happy camper. Okay. Yeah. So like, so that's not replacing like the tanning process. It's not like a quick, uh, you know, field expedient thing. You're just preserving it for the next step. Right. Exactly. And then, I, so you got a couple other things, but I think one, especially this time, it's probably going to be like the most relevant, like in timely, um, I forget, I'm trying to think of what the name, the, you, you got the fan lock, right? for for all the the guys going into into turkey season so what's that all about so fan lock we kind of essentially same thing we created it out of necessity right we got guys messaging us and saying man do you have anything i can spray on my turkey tail it really stinks and i got maggots in it and bugs and i know you guys have this other stuff and so kind of the same thing right we started going through playing with processes and formulas and seeing what we could build to make to be able to cure a turkey tail. Um, in that process, we found out we can generally, so, so borax number one, borax does, does work, right? I I can't say borax doesn't work. Um, borax generally works in anywhere from two to six weeks, right? It'll dry out a a tail fan enough for you to deal with it. Um, salt, some people mix borax and salt. The biggest problem with those is nine times out of 10, you'll get bugs in them. Um, if things aren't just perfect and, and the borax isn't exactly where it should be, those things will, they'll start to rot. They'll get blowflies in them. They stink. Um, I, I just hear this all the time that my turkey tail stinks. So we created this process to be able to spray on it once a day for five days. And in good warm temperatures, it will completely cure that meat and fatty tissue in five days. Um, we did one that we had at the show. We left quite a bit of stuff on it. We left the bone in the middle of it. We left a bunch of meat on it. And we did that on purpose, right? To show the effectiveness of this product and how it works. So it totally completely cured that turkey fan in five days to a hard surface. Yeah. And that was going to be one of my questions is like, how clean do you have to get it? How, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you'd have it, you know, right down to nothing. But if, if anybody's ever mess with them there's meat and then you know generally it's a warm time of year and there's feathers sticking everywhere and your hands are sticking like it's just not not ideal so uh okay you're gonna grab it they have a turkey here at the house that was a he's a heritage turkey so he's a meat bird essentially um but i killed him the other day and just did his tail so i'll show you hang on Pretty tail. Beautiful tail, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Pretty whites on it. But you can, I'll just get that up close. So you can kind of see how much I cleaned it, right? Like, I left some meat. I did I did take off the, the bone out of this one, which makes it flex a little bit. So I put a little piece of wire in there to hold it steady. But you can see how much I cleaned it. It's not a ton. Um, it's not, you know, a lot of guys say they take it down to the quills, completely down to nothing. Um, and we don't, you don't have to do that with, with that fan lock product. You can, you can leave some stuff on there. So really good for the novice guy. Same thing. We created something that's, that's solving a problem. Um, if somebody wants to show their kid, give the 
12-year-old a knife or an eight-year-old, whatever, he kills his first turkey and say, here, you're going to do your own turkey fan, right? He can clean off what he can clean off and he feels it's good enough. He can spray it and it should do everything it needs to do in five days. Yeah. Then, like I say, that, that to me is pretty cool. And then you had uh, on your, on your website, you've got, uh, you know, sprayed on the end of the beard and you got sprayed on the, the, uh, the legs and all that stuff. So basically you're just lot, you know, killing all that bacteria. Killing the bacteria and the product in there actually cures. It, it actually cures the, the meats and the tissues in it. it it's made to, pull all the moisture and, and essentially make that a hard, hard surface, I guess you would say, but yeah, like the feet, there's nowhere for that liquid to drain if you spray them. So I took a small needle and injected the feet and filled them up with that product and it pulled all the moisture out and helped the feet dry a little quicker. Okay. And you've got some like a bone cleaner too. And that, that was pretty interesting to me because I'm not a fan of the like super bleached white Euro mounts. Like I, I see guys that paint them. I see guys that do all sorts of different things. And I, I don't know. I like the like little rustic looking, you know, but I guess I didn't realize, and, and it's funny because before we were doing this podcast, this one that's right back here behind me, I had uh, my taxidermist do, and he asked me if I, I wanted him to bleach it. And I said, no, leave it like unbleached. Um, and it was pretty bright white when I got it. And now it's, you know, a little bit more brown, looks a little bit more like that I when I would have done it than uh, when I got it from him. And you were telling me that there's a reason for that, right? Right. And and the reason behind that is, um, and here's another one of those things that I always say people, people argue with this, this with me, but there's taxidermists out there. They're all, all taxidermists are great guys, right? They all try their hardest, do what they can do. I've had taxidermists tell me that, you know, I get a hundred percent of the grease out of the bone. I, I don't care what taxidermist you are and how good you are. That is absolutely impossible. Um, there's no way to get all the grease out of the bone um, unless you were to take the bones apart and boil them one by one and glue them all back together. It's just, it's not possible, right? So over years, it's going to start to yellow on you. And that and, and that's just a natural thing that the grease starts coming out of the bone again, right? Good bones, a porous surface, and you can't never get all the grease out and it will start to penetrate that bone again and start to yellow as you see. Um, so the degreaser will start to take that grease out It'll pull more of the grease out so that you can do the ones on the wall. Like you have there, if, if you wanted to, um, and then the, instead of soaking a head in peroxide, right? We've built this to be a once daily process until you've received the desired whiteness that you want. Okay. So like that one, you see it's yellow right now. You can tell by looking at it, right? There's your Bowhunter Chronicle sign is really bright white. But if you wanted to step it up one level, right? You're like, this is just getting a little more yellow than I want it. I want it to stand out a little more. You can spray that degreaser on there. Maybe the degreaser is going to pull enough of the grease that it's going to be that back to that color. You like it again, right? Or you can go, let's do one coat of the bone bright. Let's spray one coat on there one time. You spray it on the first day and you go, hey, I like that. Or it's still a little yellow. You go, 
oh, let's do it a second time, right? And so you can do that daily progression until you receive the desired whiteness that you're looking for in doing it yourself. Yeah, like I say, I just thought that was super interesting because I thought like once it was done, it was it was done. You know, you you got it all out. And like I said, I don't I I don't know. I feel like you're kind of like doing the animal a disservice because there's nothing uh you know the antlers aren't that bright white unless they're uh, you know like this one has been sitting in the sun forever like they just don't you know so there's nothing i don't feel like in nature other than snow that's that bright white so it doesn't look real and like you i think you said even at the at the shows like why don't you just get a mountain mike skull and you know screw your screw your antlers to it if you want them to be that white and uh that that's kind of like the way that i feel about it yep for sure so like overall um when you started this thing like how how far did you think this was gonna go and and i I told you i want to talk about this a little bit like so like when i when we were at like the ATA shows, which I think is different than like a consumer show, but there's people that are selling like some ridiculous products that, you know, you know, they paid a lot of money to go to the show. They did a lot of, you know, travel and set up. And I mean, they charge you for the carpet and they charge you for everything. And then you just walk by their booth and you're, I feel like I'm like crushing somebody's dream when I don't stop and, and talk to them. Cause I know like what it is, but it's like, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, what you, you had expected. And so this year you guys were at ATA and uh, you started doing some of the, like the consumer shows and, and, and stuff like that. So like, what's been your experience with that? And I guess like, how is the product being received? You know, I think everybody that we actually get to talk to, they re- it's well received. Um, the biggest thing, you know, our biggest challenge with these shows is people walk by us and they automatically assume that we're another scent spray company and they just kind of give us the cold shoulder because they're assuming that's what we do. Right. So we kind of have to grab people's attention and pull them in. And that's why we try to have something in our booth that really speaks to people. You know, the velvet deer, I like to put it out close to the aisle. So, and I have, you know, welcome people to touch that velvet on that deer. And because most people don't, you never get to touch velvet, right? People don't let you touch the velvet on a deer. So it's things like that that we have to try to do to grab their attention because, like I say, they just think we're another scent spray company that, because you see all these black bottles sitting on a table, you're just assuming, oh, well, they're a cover up or they're another dough urine and and they just walk past you. So I, I think that's our biggest hurdle to get over. Um, I think the more the name gets out there doing things like we're doing with you, it's really going to help our, our process and people understand what we do and what we have. And, you know, we're we're really here to help people and solve problems. Like you said. So how do you get away from, I mean, I think like that's why I was asking about being in shields and things like that. I think that it gives like a little bit of like notoriety because like at the same time, like when you're at a, an industry show and you, you know, you've got some, some data, some things behind that, but like at a, I mean, you could, it's like if I got food poisoning from the beef jerky that was at the stand two hours, doors down from me like how do there's no repercussion there like you know it could be snake oil you know you don't know who you're dealing with at these these shows so like how do you overcome that side of it you know it's been it's just been a tough road i mean everything we do is really organically based um we try not to ever 
you know, or we will never use anything that's, that's not true, a true example of what we do. Right. So, and it's really hard. That's the hardest thing about growing this, I think is, you know, we could pay people to go advertise. We can, we could jump on a TV show and pay the 40 grand to go say, Hey, tell, tell everybody that this is the best product we have. And, you know, we could pay the bone collector guys enough money. They'll tell everybody that's the best product and it'll go sell itself. Right. Just because they said so. And that's not what we're about. Um, we're starting to partner with some people in the industry um, that are just, they're really, really genuine people that want to use the product because they believe in the product and they believe that it works. Um, so for us, we won't partner with somebody that doesn't. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Let's say this, if they're not willing to give it a try when we donate them the product, that's not a person that we feel is genuine enough to use it and stand behind it, right? Um, a good example is Ralph Cianciarulo. I hope I said his name right or he's going to scold me. Ralph and Vicky visited us at the NRA show last year in Houston, Texas. Ralph was completely blown away by the product. He's like, there's no way. Like, if this really works, like, this is money, right? So we partnered up with him. We sent him some product. And I mean, he immediately got on and started using it and, and talking about it. Right. And that's the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with. I don't want to pay somebody, you know, unless that relationship is already built. Um, Cody and Kelsey, you know, lived to hunt with Cody and Kelsey up in Canada. Cody and Kelsey absolutely believe in the product. They love the product. They're already pushing the product for us and they're helping us build this brand and build the notoriety behind it without us having to put out a ton of money to do that right there and that's the people we're going to partner with though that's the people that down the road i'm going to say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna invest in his show now right now we're going to do a commercial spot on his show <laughs> those are the kinds of people we want to partner with same warren holder with raised hunting tv um we're working directly with warren right now he's doing some videos for us um and great guy He's working hard and, and we got a contract with him to do some things. And, but the same thing, he, he wanted to use the product and believe in the product before we built this relationship. So I think that's, that's the biggest hurdle is trying to get over this. This industry is so built on commercialism and being commercialized, right? Like we could go out and we could, go spend $50,000, right? And put it on a TV commercial and get in front of millions of people really fast. But that's really not who we are. <laughs> if, if that makes sense, right? We don't want to, I mean, we want to grow that. We want to grow it and get big. We do, but we want to do it organically. We want to do it with people that trust what we do on a daily basis. 
Yeah, I think that's great to hear. And I mean, like I said on in the intro, like everybody says their product is the best, and everybody come can come on here. And you know, if you don't have the conversations ahead of time, you know, you never really know kind of what you're getting yourself into when we sit down and have this kind of conversation. And like I said, I, I thought it was important. You know, for guys like myself, you know, it's it, it, definitely going to help. You know, outfitters and um, things like that who are doing this kind of stuff like every day or all season long. But for the for the once in a lifetime guy or for that that one thing, like you said, you know, you're it, it's a pretty small investment as far as like a, an insurance policy uh, to bring along with you uh, for that reason. You know, so. I just want to thank you for coming on here and, and, and talking with us, you know, and, and, and like I said, I, I, I think that it's a good, uh, product f- and like seeing the stuff in the booth and all that stuff, um, as far as like what it's going to be able to do to help people kind of preserve their trophies. Right. And one other thing I want to touch on real quick, um, cause I didn't mention it was our trophy head hauler. And so like you go out and hunt those those mule deer and and you're talking about, you know, you don't know how to cape them. You don't know how to take care of them, but we never think about how do we pack it out? Right. How do you carry a velvet set of antlers? So we created our head hauler. And I don't know if you've seen that at the show. I didn't know. So the head hauler essentially is a system that goes over the top of a head and skull and it'll adapt to any backpack. So the same thing I created, created this out of necessity. I broke my back in 2019 and I sat and watched a lot of people, a lot of videos, a lot of pictures, had a lot of time on my hands and everybody tying rope and tying stuff to their antlers to keep a head on their backpack, right? Sticks and ropes and paracord and everything else. So I actually got my wife's sewing machine out (laughs) and I sewed this first couple prototypes of this product up and it comes in four different, two different sizes and two different colors for, uh, for variants. Um, but it'll, it'll essentially hold any, any head on any backpack, uh, after you've put your meat in it, you put your head in there and it'll hold it down, cinch it down tight. And, uh, it's got a lifetime warranty on it. So if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. It's pretty, pretty good system. Same thing. It's solving a problem, right. For, for guys to carry animals out and get them out of the back country. And it'll, it'll do it for any animal, not just velvet, but you know, it works really good for the velvet because you don't have to worry about scoring or scarring up your velvet you know, carrying them out. Yeah. And and again, that's why I like to have these kind of conversations with guys that are out there doing it. Like, so, and, and I feel like every, everybody, um, can benefit from the product. Right. But I think also can benefit from hearing somebody that had an idea and executed it because how many times have you been to one of these shows or you've seen something, the newest, latest, greatest product. You're like, I thought of that 20 years ago. I mean, my father-in-law, that's his like every single time, like, Oh, we used to use those back in the eighties, but you know, didn't like them because of this or like, I thought of that a long time ago. And, you know, showing people that you can do something, you know, you can, you can take an idea that you have and then, and, and, you know, if you have, you know, the drive or, or, or whatever that you can actually manifest it. Right. All right. Let me, I think I have a head hauler. Let me grab one real quick right here. So that has clips. It'll adapt to any backpack and these straps run through. So you're pulling strap to strap. And then this is a padded felt backing. 
So these are all made in the USA. They're made right in Utah, and they they will absolutely hold any head on any pack you have. Awesome, awesome. So where can people check out your your products, and um, you know what what shows are you going to be at, or or where can they they find you? So we're gonna. Uh, I'll go to the shows first. The next couple of shows we're going to be there. I got two in Wisconsin coming up in March. The um, there's a Wisconsin Wisconsin Sportsman's Show that'll be this on the 17th, I believe, 17th through the 19th. And then right following that is the Open Season Sportsman's Show, and that one will be in uh, Wisconsin Dells, I believe. The other one's in Eau Claire, and that's March 24th through the 26th, I believe. And then right after that, we will be at Pope and Young. We actually got invited to go to the Pope and Young show and because they're opening a new scorable in velvet um, uh, scoring system now. And they're implementing that. They implemented it, I believe, last year. But this is the first year, full year of it. So they asked us to be there and help show off and how we can show some velvet. Okay. And then as far as online? Yep. Online is just our... Uh, Websites velvetantlertechnologies.com and then Instagram, Facebook is both at Velvet Antler Technologies. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today, Daryl. And uh, you know, like I said, we're going to have to get some of that at least for the for the fan lock here in the next uh, month or so. <laughs> so, and fans, fans are coming up quickly. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you, sir. All right. I appreciate you. Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment